Welcome to Asia-Pacific Defense Reporter, your go-to source for cutting-edge security insights in the region. Get ready for rapid-fire analysis and commentary from the Asia-Pacific with your host, Kim Bergman. Welcome to Asia-Pacific Defense Reporter. I recently had the opportunity to have a brief discussion with Professor Tanya Munro, the head of the Defense Science and Technology Group. This is mainly in the context of National Science Week. DSTG encompasses all of the scientific and a lot of the engineering support that is given to the ADF. It has an annual budget of about $400 million and a bit over 2,000 employees. Now, over to uh, Tanya Munro to describe her role and uh, what the organisation is about. I'm Tanya Monroe. I'm the Chief Defence Scientist and Head of the Defence Science Technology Group and the Senior Responsible Officer for the new Defence Accelerator, ASCA, which stands for the Advanced Strategic Capability Accelerator. Okay, got it. Why is it Defence is supporting National Science Week? Science is absolutely critical to Defence, both in our uniformed people in the ADF, but also in our civilian workforce. You know, in Defence Science Technology Group, or DSTG for short, we're a 116-year-old organisation that boasts 2,200 dedicated researchers, scientists, technologists focused on defence's highest priority problems. But right across the defence enterprise, increasingly all the capabilities we're bringing in are very technologically advanced and we need that STEM-savvy workforce right across our system. Can you just elaborate on that a bit? Because I suppose, again, older people would have a view of uh, of the ADF as guys and girls with guns and driving tanks and, and things like that. But can you elaborate on how, how, how scientific the capability is? Certainly. So as we make the transition from platforms that are essentially controlled and managed by humans to, to platforms that are essentially data platforms and the greater use of autonomous systems and the like, we need to have people who understand how to use data evidence and to make decisions um, because their actions as people in uniform are no longer about directly always about directly applying their decisions to a platform that responds directly, but they're interacting through what is essentially a data layer and they need to really deeply understand how those systems work in order to make sure they have the effects they intend. So just to give you an example, now in exercises and trials and experimentation, we experiment with single members of our ADF, whatever service they are, controlling multiple autonomous systems and finding ways to reduce the cognitive load on that warfighter in doing so. So it's really important that they're not starting from behind in terms of using technologically advanced systems. Sure. And when I I look at platforms such as the F-35, it's just a a, a giant flying computer. Just like an electric car is indeed exactly right. Uh, and so you need to know what risks and opportunities come from that, and that's where STEM comes in. Now, obviously, look, it's a very competitive environment there for companies in various domains trying to attract younger, well-qualified people. Yes. What would you say would be the advantages of a career in, in defence? Why defence rather than any of the other sectors? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Kim, that we are in a war for talent. But the reason to come to defence is we work on some of the most interesting 
problems. People get to work in the most extraordinary teams and with extraordinary infrastructure. So, for example, we've just this year commissioned the first, you know, secret supercomputer in Australia working on some of Defence's problems. This is, you know... You can't work on these kinds of problems anywhere else in Australia. You're working with not only on defence's highest priority problems, but on things you know are going to make a difference to protecting Australia. And I think that's the sort of mix that, you know, when people look, maybe I'll I'll go back a step. We have a STEM cadetship program which gives opportunities for undergraduates doing STEM degrees to come in and do a couple of months' work each year while they're at undergraduate level. And what I uniformly get told by these STEM cadets is that until they came in the door and started working on defence problems, they did not know how compelling, engaging, rewarding that kind of work is. So for us, it's about getting that message out that working on these real, wicked, challenging problems in teams, knowing that what you do makes a difference that's something you don't get elsewhere. You know, so much of STEM talent gets applied to areas where it's just about making a buck or corporation rich. This is about our men and women in uniform and, and, and our national future. Okay, and I'm, I'm glad that you brought this up because I've only got one sort of final area to talk about, and that is precisely, if you like, the ethics and morality of all of yes. this. Because yes. when, when you boil it down, I mean, the Defence Forces are there to have the potential to to fight in a war. That's sort of pretty serious, heavy Library. stuff compared yes. with, with, say, working in the gaming industry or, or telecommunications. Of course. of course. So what is your question? Oh, oh um, uh, how do you make that attractive, as I say, from an ethical or a moral point of view to, to young people who might be a little bit wary of the whole concept of people in, in uniform? Yeah, no, look, I understand and I empathise with that and that's something that I've grappled with myself as I've made choices in my own personal career and what I'd say to people thinking like that is that it's a really important conversation to have with yourself, your families, your peers because ultimately what any nation needs is choices that allow it to um, maintain its sovereignty and I think it's important that we have people that are doing defence science and technology that actually will ask those hard ethical questions. And it's much it's really critical that's baked into the way we do our science rather than something that people from the outside wonder and muse about. So much of what we do is either about removing the person in, the, in uniform from danger or, or creating deterrence so that, that an adversary is less likely to act against our nation's interests. And so, you know, while everyone will sit at a different point with regard to how comfortable they are engaging with things that ultimately could be kinetic, what I would say is that our nation needs options and it's really important that we use science the right way ethically to create those options so that we're not faced with more stark and sobering choices about losing our sovereignty. Sure. Yes, I, I guess ultimately it really is about deterrence. You you, you hope that uh, uh, the ADF will never be engaged in combat and, and one of the effective ways to do that is to, is to make us look as big and scary as, uh, as possible. Absolutely correct. Anything we can do that makes 
that risk of miscalculation or risk of entering into conflict move further right. And the role science can play in that is absolutely vital. And I would actually argue that science and innovation are some of our most powerful ways to deter acts against Australia's interests. So in many ways, you can see it as not necessarily about science driving the right outcome in conflict, although obviously how technologically advanced you are, you know, matters in terms of any conflict. But it's much more about making a potential adversary say, I'm not going to go up against them because I think they may be able to do things I don't like. Fair enough. Uh, and just a, a final one, Dr Munro, the, the practicalities of uh, uh, of Science Week. Are you getting – is there some hands-on stuff that you're doing or is it just sort of yeah. a, a general supporting of the activity? Look, it's a bit of everything. Uh, part of it is raising visibility and awareness. I've literally just come from a session we had here in R1 in the Russell Precinct showcasing work that's happening within DSTG across all of the six innovation science and technology priorities that came out of the DSR, the Defence Strategic Review. And so it's just wonderful seeing people's eyes light up as they learn some of the work our fabulous people are doing to create a different future for Australia. But we're also doing everything from engaging state by state through various, you know, hands-on activities for kids at school wondering what a career in science might be and showing them that this is one really amazing way of using science beyond school. So many, many things from raising visibility to providing opportunities for hands-on. That was the discussion with Professor Munro. Please join us for more such conversations in the future. Bye for now. That's today's Asia-Pacific Defence Reporter. For more in-depth articles, expert opinions and exclusive interviews, visit asiapacificdefensereporter.com. Stay informed, stay ahead. This is your source for all things defence. Until next time.